Hello and welcome to the Hormones in Harmony podcast. I'm your host, Vivian Allred, naturopathic nutritional therapist and hormone enthusiast. If you want to learn how to rebalance your female hormones, regulate your menstrual cycle and reclaim your vitality, then you are in the right place. Each week I will be delving into different conditions such as PCOS, endometriosis, infertility, hypothyroidism, acne and hair loss. Stay tuned for interviews with expert guests, Q&As and solo episodes that are all intended to help you move from hormonal chaos to hormonal harmony. If you'd like to submit a question for me to answer on the podcast, then you can email them to hormonesinharmony at gmail.com. The information shared on this podcast is intended for educational purposes only and is not designed to replace the advice of your health practitioner. That said, let's get into today's episode. Hi everyone, welcome back to episode number 10. Today I'm joined by Rebecca Ellison. Me and Rebecca have known each other for a few years now because we both studied at the College of Naturopathic Nutrition in Manchester. And Rebecca is amazing. Her journey is unbelievable. She's come so far with her health. Um, She's actually struggled with conditions like Lyme disease and chronic fatigue syndrome. And this affected her a ton over her teenage years. So we both really struggled in early adulthood with our health. And I think that's kind of where we clicked and really get on. So I was so happy that she agreed to come on the podcast and chat with me about some of these things. And I'm definitely going to have her back on in the future to talk more about her kind of speciality of co-infections and chronic illnesses. But in this episode, we really touched on her journey with pregnancy with her first child, Noah, her experience with labour, how her diet and nutrition changed during her pregnancy and also her advice for people with health issues going through pregnancy or struggling to conceive and also what they can do postpartum in order to improve their recovery. So Rebecca is also a naturopathic nutritional therapist like myself, specialising in Lyme disease, chronic fatigue syndrome and ME. That's due to her own struggles spanning 12 years across her teenage years. She started her own company, Hello Healing, which is based in Lancashire. And she also works at the London Clinic of Nutrition, working on a one-on-one basis with clients. Rebecca believes that once you find the root cause of your condition, that recovery is possible, but it takes hard work, determination and the right interventions. When she's not working, you can find her in the kitchen, in the library or in the Lake District with her husband, baby and cockapoo, living the life she never thought possible. So hi Becky and welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks so much for having me. I'm so I'm so grateful to be here. You're welcome. So I want you to start off by kind of going into your health history and I know that you've been through quite a lot at a relatively young age. So like yeah. right from the beginning and when all your health issues started and then how you've got to where you are at the moment. Oh my goodness, from the beginning. Okay, wow. So my my health history is um I've actually got chronic fatigue and Lyme disease. So I was just a normal kid um, going to school. I was kind of like um, quite a high achiever, social kid doing this, you know, all the activities that kids do after school as well. Absolutely normal. And then when I was 13, um, just literally couldn't get out of bed. Just literally um, had to be off school, couldn't do anything. Um, My mum had to kind of like bath me, take me to the toilet. And I was, you know, it was perfectly normal before that. So it was, so, it was really, really odd and really, really weird. And, but the doctors had no 
no idea what was going on. Obviously, you think the worst. You do all the tests. All the tests were coming back that, you know, this child is absolutely normal. Um, and then kind of by process of elimination, they end up diagnosing you with chronic fatigue in the end. Um, and that was, that was me as a teenager, really. You know, that was, that was my life. I was in a wheelchair for a lot of my teenage years. Um, I had very limited schooling. I'd go to school kind of like a couple hours a week. Um, managed to kind of like scrape together some GCSEs but main kind of symptoms were absolute crushing fatigue where like I say I couldn't walk um, some days I couldn't even chew my food like my mum would have to bring me a drink and I'd have to like drink my water through a straw um, I had to be in a dark room because the, the light was too much uh, I, um, like noises were too much for me uh, aching just awful it just wasn't it wasn't really worth living at some points um and then when I was 18 I went to see a nutritional therapist Mm. um funny that isn't it and then I she was the first person who actually looked at the root cause because for chronic fatigue they can't the NHS just can't really do anything like they offered me pacing um there's no medication that you can take they kind of basically just said that I'm really sorry you're too severe of a case this may just be your life and I just thought I'm not really having that (laughs) so I saw a nutritional therapist and she kind of looked at my mitochondria on the floor I had a lot of gut problems that were happening a lot like candida um she looked at my thyroid she looked at my adrenals and then when she kind of like did all the testing and gave me a protocol to follow, um, obviously completely revamped all my diet and I like, she put me a lot of supplements and lifestyle suggestions. I actually, for the first time, started to improve. Um, and that's where I got super interested in nutrition. Um, and then kind of along the way as well, kind of part on parcel of that, we ended up getting tested for Lyme disease and bingo, positive for Lyme disease, um, which Lyme disease is the... Um, I don't know if people are aware of Lyme disease, but it's where you've been bitten by a tick. Um, and I was actually bitten by a tick when I was eight years old. Um, so that obviously was a, was a major kind of explanation as to why I'd been so sick basically throughout my teenage years. Um, did you have any like signs and symptoms at the time or did you, when your health kind of deteriorated, did, did Lyme disease even like crop up in your mind? Well, I was bitten by a tick when I was eight so we're talking 20 years ago now. So it wasn't, it was definitely wasn't a, a, a big thing by then. I feel like it's a lot more, I'm not going to say it's a lot more common because I don't think it's a lot more common. I think it's a lot more known about. Whereas back then I was bitten by a tick. I had a tick on my arm. My mum just pulled it out because, you know, you just didn't know what, what else to do. And I had the big bullseye rash. I did get all the flu symptoms. We were on holiday. I was really, really ill. And then I did actually get ill for a couple of months, but the doctors just said it was glandular fever. And we just thought, well, that's just glandular. You know, we didn't even think twice about the tick. And then it was when my mum was sat in the vets with the dog and something came on the screen about ticks and Lyme disease. And she thought, oh, like I wonder if, do you know, I wonder if that's why, why she's got chronic fatigue. And so we just started doing a bit more research and we got it tested and there we are, positive. But, I just want to make your listeners aware of the fact that we had actually had a lot of NHS testing for Lyme all came back negative right? because the NHS testing for Lyme is just not quite sensitive enough. 
and I they will even hold their hands up to that they, they even are aware of that as well but they're just their hands quite tied on that but um we did private testing and, and it came back positive right and it's the same with like certain other tests as well like stool testing for an example definitely they're just checking for like the big diseases and the blood in the stools severe parasites but when it comes to like the more comprehensive investigations for dysbiosis and yeast they just don't absolutely and i think if you think about the nhs you know it was set up primarily for broken bones and people to have babies you know it wasn't set up for the multi kind of complex diseases that we now have in the 21st century you know environmental toxins and all these things that we have and so i really see that kind of us as nutritional therapists like really need to work alongside the NHS because they don't have the funding to do all this stuff that you know thankfully as nutritional therapists we can do um they just don't have that amount of kind of I just think it's a fun at the end of the day it's just a funding issue isn't it definitely and I think yeah it's just amazing I just love the National Health Service but again I I agree that it should be for serious operations and it's just amazing the work that they can do with the surgery and heart transplants and all of that and I always jump yeah, 100%. by a car take me don't to, ring me acupuncturist or nutritionist yeah. I want all the I want all the surgery yeah but when it comes to chronic diseases and yeah driven diseases which a lot of yeah. are, then that's where like natural health naturopathic medicine functional medicine shines yeah. and I think we just need to combine them both and use them both strategically. Yeah, definitely. Because at the end of the day, you know, they haven't got the time either. You know, like we sit down with clients for, prop, you know, the first consultation is a minimum of an hour and we really go through like someone's, you know, health history. They've only got 10 minutes. Your GP's got 10 minutes so they need to give you a quick pill to get, they haven't got time to, you know, go into that complex. And that was the same with chronic fatigue. At the end of the day, chronic fatigue is, is fatigue that's gone on for a chronic amount of time. I know that sounds really obvious, but there is a root cause to that. You know, and for me, it was, it was a whole host of different things. And then finally, when I started, you know, really addressing things and changing my diet, changing, you know, looking at nutritional supplements and lifestyle and, and herbs as well was a big one for me. It, things started to fall into place. and I actually started to get well again. And what was your kind of diet and lifestyle like as a child and, when your symptoms first started to develop? Oh, as a child, don't get me started. And when I was a child, I always have a go at my mum. Bless her. Obviously, like my mum and dad did everything for us. And I think our generation are the ones where, you know, the turkey dinosaurs were coming in, the <laughs> chips and all that. So honestly, you couldn't even make it up. Um, so that was like what we'd have because, you know, you know, two working parents, it's really, really quick. It's just like, you know, have, you know, here's your food, kids. and. Um, I, I just insisted on having white bread. I would have like a lot of processed meats, um, a lot of fizzy drinks. I'd have like limeade, lots of sweets. It was just complete polar opposite to where I'm at now. But obviously I, I personally obviously see that that was, uh, you know, one of the catalysts as well to um, kind of just adding fuel to the fire of someone who's got chronic fatigue. This is how funny it is. Chronic fatigue. I used to sit there and drink Lucozade all day long for energy. <laughs> It's just like crazy. Electrolytes. <laughs> yeah, all that good stuff. The lovely colourful bubbles. Oh, awful. So that, didn't, that didn't cure your energy, kind of. 
issue? Funnily enough, funnily enough, it didn't. <laughs> it didn't do anything. And I would like drink bottles and bottles of the stuff. But no, funnily enough, didn't do anything. So what did what diet changes did help you? And obviously we can't go into like the specific supplements yeah. for um the Lyme disease and chronic fatigue, but what did your diet change into? What was the main focus? So I was under Dr. Myhill at the time and she completely was, she's like a big um, advocate of the paleo diet. So it was basically, you know, you know, meats, vegetables, nothing that's processed, everything clean, eating from nature. Um, everything was made fresh, which was kind of diff- definitely different for me. So it took a while to get into it. And my taste buds had to change lots of salads. Um, and also where I was sourcing my food from, you know, like she wanted kind of like grass fed meats and the quality as well, you know, lots of water. Um, she did put me on a lot of nutritional supplements for the gut problems, the adrenals, mitochondria supplements. Mm-hmm. Um, but the diet, I think, was a massive, massive change and a massive, I think that obviously helped considerably. Yeah, that's just the foundation for everything. You could be taking mm. supplements and doing the top functional lab tests mm-hmm. available but if your diet's still not optimal um for what you need and you're eating fast food and processed food all day long then you're just never gonna see the results you're fine a fine a losing battle really aren't you definitely so how yeah, long you... those kind of things take to um see an improvement how was it years was it um, yeah so I would probably say it was definitely a good few months you know I think some people can kind of be like oh well I'm not better within the month so I'm gonna just quit this but it definitely was a good few months to see any difference um but then I had a yeah I had a heck of a lot going on so the body needed you know it needed some time to heal but I mean kind of full recovery I mean yeah you are talking years um and and kind of me going to college and studying nutrition was a big also like a huge part of my recovery at the same time so yeah you are talking a considerable amount of time to heal from something like chronic fatigue that you've had for years and you're probably like me like when we were studying like every single weekend we were learning different things and implementing them into our oh yeah we're like our own guinea pigs as well oh yeah definitely and i think one of the best things about studying is that you get all the discounts and like the the labs just give you so many discounts it's brilliant you could just do all the labs on yourself it's great um yeah i'd be the same like going home like ordering the supplements to try on yourself and and you're and you're sitting there in lecture and then they're teaching you about like thyroid or something and you're like that is me that is what i've got you know (laughs) different diagnosis every week Sometimes it oh, was, every week. Sometimes it was a bit of a negative that, like, was spending so much on all that, all those supplements. But then I always think back and use that as like knowledge and education, and um, mm. the fact that I've self-experimented with certain things, and it's just a learning process, isn't it? So we can use that to our advantage. Yeah, hundred percent. I don't think anything's a mistake. I think um, you know what? Where else can you? Where else better can you put your money than in your health? You know, you can have a great big house, a really fast car, but if you've not got your health, you've got nothing. And I unfortunately learned that, and I think you have as well the hard way. And I definitely want to have you back on in the future talking more about maybe co-infections and chronic fatigue side of things. But today I really wanted to dive into kind of your 
fertility experience and your oh. <laughs> your um the birth of your son Noah and just your whole experience with pregnancy and postpartum and how maybe your health has transformed with that so do you want to just give us a rundown of the past couple of maybe months and years and how how things have changed in your life yeah cool so um my now husband and I got married in September 2017 and we got pregnant in September 2017 <laughs> um, which was a little bit of a shock um, and then um, went through pregnancy had a genuine like I would say it was quite a good pregnancy. I had a lot of mental health problems through the pregnancy though. And then I had a few kind of like problems kind of towards the end. But um, then Noah arrived and um, a, few, a few more things happened there as well. Um, I don't really know where to start if I'm honest. So let's start with kind of your health. So it's probably been a, a bit up and down over the past couple of years because obviously yeah. times where things may flare up a little bit and we're just not feeling our best, maybe under extra stress. How did the stress of pregnancy um, kind of affect your health, if it did at all? Yeah, I think, to be really honest, I think the shock of pregnancy hit me a lot. Um, I got, I, I think because when you've got Lyme disease, um, there are some possible complications that can happen um and so being the way i am um i got very anxious about that and because there is statistically a higher rate of miscarriage sometimes when you've got lyme disease and um, so obviously that's a big um concern for people who are pregnant with lyme disease but thankfully nothing happened you know everything was absolutely fine um there was no complications there at all um but it was more a mental health thing i think the anxiety and then that did slightly impact so i did get a little bit more fatigue um but i think now you know when you're armed with knowing what to do you can you can quickly act fast you're like okay look i need to get better sleep i need to really look after myself i need to start really upping my diet maybe i need to start doing some juices you know and i think when you've got stressful stuff going on you you need to be armed to know what to do to turn it around mm -hmm. yeah and it's a good thing that you had those kind of tools in your tool belt you need the supplements um even though you wasn't maybe specializing in hormones and fertility you just know in general how to take care of those things and how to um, eat right and um, yeah but i think and i think that's just common sense is it not you know because at the end of the day i was um you know, I was super stressed, but I think at the end of the day, I needed to eat well during pregnancy. I needed to look after myself. I needed to take a handle of my stress um, because I knew that any time I was getting stressed, the baby was possibly getting stressed as well. I don't know the science behind that, but that's what people say anyway. Yeah. And <laughs> when you're stressed, baby stressed. Kind of chronic illnesses, so like Lyme disease or maybe co-infections or chronic fatigue syndrome. Do they affect your fertility? I know that you mentioned there's, um, with Lyme there's an increased risk of miscarriage. What's the like mechanism behind that and how do they affect fertility in some women? So the theory is that anyone who's got Lyme, so Borrelia or any of the co-infections, um, when you've conceived and there's a fetus in there, the body, well, the co-infections, the bacteria really will try and attack that 
because it's a foreign it's a foreign thing that's in the body so that has been found that the borrelia can sometimes start to attack the baby and then obviously you unfortunately end up in a miscarriage thankfully i think my levels were so low and i was so healthy that i think that didn't happen um and i think we can get clients to a stage like that we can get clients um you know to really really low levels of bacteria in the body that they should be able to have a healthy pregnancy mm. and i think um one of the it's it's back to that root cause question really you know a lot of people with chronic fatigue do have considerable hormonal issues pcos lots of problems like that really and that could be one of the main things for them i mean yes you know um i had some root cause problems but that could be very different for someone else with chronic fatigue um the root cause of someone else's chronic fatigue could be hormonal imbalances so that's when you're probably possibly going to get the problems with fertility yeah interesting yeah and i see that all the time definitely yeah real issues and the connection between the gut and conditions like pcos and hormones or the gut and these chronic immune system and mitochondrial issues they're all just connected so there isn't one treatment plan and there isn't one root cause so i think that's where we kind of need to focus on it's kind of just ruling things out and doing different tests and trial and error but it can be a long process, can't it? Yeah, and I think, you know, when we're talking about hormones, hormones are made in the gut, you know, so I was saying to a client earlier, you know, your gut really has to be in tip-top shape, um, and hopefully then things will hopefully fall into place hormone-wise, you know, with a lot of treatment there as well. Yeah, and in your case, I know that you mentioned your um, your pregnancy was a nice surprise. Um, yes. <laughs> you have any recommendations for um women who are trying to conceive to kind of focus on during the preconception phase because obviously you were pretty healthy beforehand even though you had this diagnosis you were um, eating a healthy diet and you were um your health was quite good at that point but are there any kind of things that women should be focusing on when trying to conceive yeah i think definitely and i think I think that may be one of the reasons why I did conceive so so quickly is because my diet is great. I have a good kind of life work balance. And so I was kind of in a perfect state to conceive, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, definitely. I think when people are wanting to try and have a baby, I think again, like addressing any stress perhaps in their life, having a look at kind of work commitments and things like that. And if they have that balance, because I think when the body is stressed, the last thing it's going to do is want to conceive a baby. So I think that's a massive, massive one that is not spoke about very much. Um, and then obviously addressing diet, I'd be saying kind of like a lot of leafy greens to make sure your liver um, is working optimally. Lots of water, keep hydrated. Obviously trying to maybe even if you're really trying to conceive is perhaps maybe putting the alcohol to one side as well. Um, there's also a supplement which I do actually really like, which is by Seeking Health. It's called Optimal Prenatal. Um, and that I think that's been great. It's got it's, it's basically a multivitamin. It's got everything in there um, to um, support maybe pregnancy all the way through. But there's tons of different things that you can, um, like multivitamins you can take if you're wanting to be in tip-top shape really to... Um, to conceive a baby but i think i definitely don't think stress is spoken enough exactly and how does stress kind of worsen some of the conditions that you mentioned and the hormone imbalances what's the connection there well i mean if you think about it 
especially when we're talking about like adrenal fatigue, perhaps if your body is in a constant state of adrenaline and it's running away from that saber tooth tiger constantly all day long, because, you know, back in caveman days, you would, you would be chased by a saber tooth tiger. You'd have a quick hit of adrenaline, run away, hopefully survive. And then that's the end of the day. And the rest of the day, you'll just chill and maybe gather some plants or something whereas these days we are constantly everything's a stress we're on the train that's stressing us out we get to work that's stressing us out the food that we eat is stressing us out our husbands and wives are stressing us out it's constant all the time the last thing your body's going to want to do in that state is conceive a baby it hasn't got it kind of hasn't got the capacity if you will to be able to do that so it, i think definitely stress needs to be addressed it's just going to prioritize prioritize your life over it's going to keep your body's just trying to keep you alive at the end of the day that's the main goal yeah the the end goal the main goal of your body in that is not to start another life exactly and i think people can get carried away with or what what food what supplement what superfood yes when they're not the foundations of health yeah when they're just like working all the time they're, they're just like busy 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 on the weekends they're going to the gym every night and sometimes I don't think anyone's explained to people perhaps that maybe if we just did a bit more self-care did a bit of yoga instead of going to the gym you know went to bed early a few nights a week that would probably serve you better than some of the things that we're trying to do to conceive exactly and we can kind of take that advice and implement it into any other condition it's not just gonna yeah definitely if you've got chronic acne or skin problems or autoimmune yeah. and the same foundations the sleep stress management avoiding yeah. nutrient dense diet it's all gonna um, be helpful for those as well and it is funny because the more that i work with clients the more that i see that actually stress is just one of them it is a massive factor and i don't think it's being talked about enough actually if people address their stress um, and stress is a very loaded word people say i'm not stressed i'm not stressed and it's not a negative thing you know i think we just need to maybe talk about it a little bit more and but i think that is one of possibly one of the root causes to a lot of conditions that are out there at the moment and what are your favorite kind of ways to de-stress or manage stress this modern lifestyle because it's just inevitable that we're gonna experience things probably on a daily basis but how do you kind of manage it yourself or recommend to clients yeah, it is. And I say that to clients all the time is that things will happen, you know, acute things will happen, you know, loved ones will die, you know, you may be made redundant, stuff is going to happen. But it's, I think it's about having your toolkit ready for when things do happen, you know, whether it is jumping in a magnesium salt bath, you know, a few times a week. Um, I like, I tell my clients to be in bed lights out by 10 o'clock at the latest whether it is going to a yoga class or taking the dog for a walk on the weekend, having some time, you know, and I think I tell clients to write it in their diary. Cause if you don't write in your diary, take the dog for a walk or go to a yoga class or read it. I just don't think it happens. You just, bleep, you just brush it off and think, Oh yeah, tomorrow. And then it never happens. And especially as a mom, um, I love to do yoga and there's a yoga class near me and it's a brilliant studio and it's just not happened. And I wrote it in the diary and I was like, I am going to go to this yoga class and it is going to happen. I'm going to make it happen <laughs> because otherwise it just doesn't because there's always something else to do. So I really think 
2019 is the year for us definitely in in our house and i'm just hammering it with clients is if you look after yourself i think that is going to serve you better than a lot of other things that that we're busy doing i think all possibly even over having a perfect diet yeah i agree with that definitely yeah yeah and what would be kind of switching back to kind of your pregnancy and postpartum experience um what would be your advice for someone who's currently pregnant who's also maybe diagnosed or suffering with some of the symptoms that you were so although your health wasn't as bad as it had been in the past like 10 years Mm. how could women like improve their symptoms maybe and deal with some of the things that they're going through when they're pregnant what are some like recommendations that you'd give or advice to make things a little bit easier for them I think definitely talk about it I think definitely you know ask for ask for advice maybe whether it is going to like see someone who can maybe help you know if you've never kind of worked with a nutritional therapist before and you have got maybe chronic fatigue and you find yourself pregnant maybe it would be helpful to maybe go and talk to someone about that and see if they can be very specific but other than that, you know, if you have got concerns about being ill and carrying the baby, you know, definitely have those conversations with people around you. See if they could maybe help you out a little bit to take some of that pressure off, whether it's just really proactive things like doing, doing the washing for you or just helping with your ironing occasionally, just to try to take that pressure off, you know, like everything that you're trying to do at that moment. Um, I think definitely, you know, eating as well as you can, whether it's just really simple meals, you know, have some carrot sticks and cucumber sticks in the fridge, dip it in some hummus yeah. um, have those snacks ready and just dead easy and, you know, have meals in the freezer just so you can quickly defrost them and just try and simplify everything as much as, as much as you can simplify things in this world these days. Um, and, def- and just try and rest because that baby is coming whether, you know, whenever it's going to turn up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think again, just to take some time and try and rest and try and look after yourself because being pregnant is a really beautiful thing and it is a miracle that's happening within you. And I think the more that you can try and look after yourself in that season of life, it, it, your body's only going to thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious, did your diet change at all? Did you get any weird cravings or? Were you craving junk food and or did you stick to a pretty healthy diet throughout? Oh, do you know what I actually craved? I really crave KFC. <laughs> I don't even I don't even eat KFC. Could be I, generally don't. I I did say to my husband, Can you just go and get me a KFC one day? And and then I was like, No, wait, no, you're not doing that. No, never. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> Um, I did have some cravings. It was mainly sugar, to be honest. Um, and I did. I did. I, I'm actually surprised that Noah didn't come out as a giant um, chocolate bun. <laughs> <laughs> and the only adversion I actually had was green tea. Oh. And I like inhaled green tea. So that was really, that was, so I just had to change my herbal teas. But I was quite good. I didn't really have any kind of sicknesses or, or weird, you know, like weird cravings. But the sugar definitely was like I really struggled with the sugar yeah and did you kind of expect that to happen is this I know it's quite common for women to like increase appetite quite a lot and crave those sugary like starchy foods but was it quite a shock to you that you were um experiencing some of these things were you planning on eating like 
amazing green bowls and nourish bowls <laughs> and smoothies every day. I always said, as soon as I get pregnant, I am not having dairy at all. I'm not having any sugar. Like that baby is going to be so like pure. Like I'm going to be doing green juices every day. No, nothing like that actually happens because you're so tired and like, no, it doesn't happen. And you have got a lot of sugar cravings. And like you said, the starchy food, I just ate tons. Thankfully, I didn't gain a lot of weight because what I was eating obviously was like the good stuff, but I did eat a lot. Um, but but yeah, literally just came back to to those dairy buttons. Sorry, hold my hand up. I'm not perfect. <laughs> and what are some other kind of unexpected things that that happened during your pregnancy that you wish you would have known, or people don't usually talk about? I think looking back on my pregnancy, I think I would say trust your intuition. So at the end of my pregnancy, I was very big. I wasn't big. My bump was huge. Have you seen a picture of me? I think, did I send you a picture? Did I? I was huge, wasn't I? My bump was huge. And the midwives were saying, it's fine, it's fine. You're measuring well. Everything's fine. Um, And then unfortunately, I got into kind of complications during the birth because he was a very big baby. Um, and I think I would just say to people who are pregnant now, but I had a gut feeling. So I think if you have a gut feeling about something during your pregnancy, really don't be embarrassed about raising. You really need to kind of talk about that and, and have your voice heard. And if it means that you keep saying to the midwife something, it doesn't matter if that's trust your intuition on things, you know, you, you know, your baby. Um, and I, I probably, that's what I'd be saying to my pregnant friends. So yeah, I think you're, I think it's just natural for your intuition to be just heightened at, at yeah. time in life because like even certain times of the month, like your menstrual cycle, it's definitely definitely hormone related and like the earth and the um, the moon can also increase your intuition. So I'm, I'm really getting into yeah. that. So that's really interesting that it kind of really intensifies during pregnancy. Definitely. And I think I've never learned it more than being pregnant and now being a mom. We are genuinely like super women, you know, like we just are like, we just grow these humans in our belly and give birth to them. And it is amazing being a woman at, you know, seasons of life like that. Uh, it, it, it's just an amazing thing, really. Oh, you're getting me excited. <laughs> <laughs> we usually just hear like the horror stories, don't we, with birth and, um, yes thickness and all of these things but uh, yeah I'd love to hear if there's anything like all the positive things and about the beauty of birth and the intuition I love hearing more of that yeah because I think that isn't talked about and I was really really mindful of that because when I was pregnant everyone tries to tell you that horrible awful birthing story and so I went completely the opposite way I was like I don't even want to talk to you don't want to hear about that and I went I just read every positive book uh, the gentle birth method is a brilliant book I read all the hypnobirthing books um we had like stuff all over the house like affirmations um it was like a really really special time um, you can, I mean, it's like anything. You can look at it two ways. You can look at it as a really negative or, or you can be really positive. But I know some people do really suffer through pregnancy as well. You know, it's not always, you know, plain sailing, really. Yeah. And how was your 
whole birth experience did you have a home birth or did you do the hypnobirthing I did hypnobirthing we went to all the classes we loved hypnobirthing and then whilst I was still quite anxious through the pregnancy the hypnobirthing really helped um, like my husband and I we did like um, there's all recordings that you listen to and there's massage we would do that every evening and that was really really good for my mental health and to try and like relax me a little bit and then we planned to do a home birth so we were here we were in the pool everything was great hypnobirthing I didn't want any drugs I was like I'm gonna breathe my baby out <laughs> and all this like wonderful yeah. stuff and all these women in my life were like she is joking <laughs> um but actually uh, unfortunately um one thing actually led to another and I did end up being ambulance to the hospital um and he did end up being an emergency c-section which would have been my worst case scenario you know if you'd have asked me what's your worst case scenario it would have involved an ambulance and it would have involved an emergency c-section unfortunately we got the both of them um but it doesn't he's healthy he arrived safely and that's the most important thing but even so i think the hypnobirthing was brilliant and i would still recommend a home birth um during the home birth section i was at home and my husband made me a steak i was watching love island i was loving it it was great it was brilliant love home birth <laughs> until the ambulance turned up i was like oh you can the ambulance can go it's brilliant oh and yeah. were you, in the moment were you kind of a bit annoyed and a bit sad about the whole um kind of not having the the birth that you you planned or you, you just wanted him to come anywhere yeah I mean it was it was very traumatic and um we did there was tears you know the hospital made us had to you know they had to explain to us that he wasn't he wasn't actually um he wasn't coming down the birth canal and we had to go and have an emergency section so we did have a little bit of a cry in in the room before we went down to surgery Um, and then after he was born um I don't want to sound very dramatic, but I did genuinely feel like I had PTSD. Um, I really, really struggled for a good few months with his birth. Um, and I felt like I'd failed him. I felt like I'd failed as a woman, that I hadn't pushed my baby out. Um, I felt like I wanted him to have this beautiful, natural birth and do skin to skin and all those lovely, lovely things from birth. Um, and unfortunately, that didn't happen. Um, which still makes me a little bit sad but at the end of the day he is healthy he is here and that is again why the NHS is brilliant because I would have been one of those ladies years and years ago who would have unfortunately not made it through childbirth it would have either been him or me that that wouldn't have made it through and um, so we're also very very thankful that and that they intervened and uh, everyone's safe now. And Do you think that's in any way related to maybe conditions or your health um history or is it just one of those things i think it's just probably one of those things i'm very petite um and i have a very petite pelvis i've got very like small hips and he was a very chunky baby which i think he was probably a very chunky baby because again i think i've got good nutrition and i was feeding this baby too much i was feeding him all the good foods um he was he was 9.5 oh yeah he was a big he was a big boy so I think maybe my diet I don't I don't know I have no idea I think maybe my diet maybe has fed a big baby and then he just couldn't unfortunately get out get out but 
I don't know. It may be one of those things we never really know. But I wouldn't necessarily. I don't think it. I don't think it's down to Lyme or anything no. like that. And how was the kind of recovery from the um, C-section? Were there any complications afterwards? No, no, no complications. I think again, just from my training and kind of past experiences, we took it really gently. I had a week in bed, um, and then I had a week on the sofa. Um, and then we just took it very, very slowly. We had people look after us and um, even people with C-sections can just literally just go out and just be walking the streets, you know, with their baby, with the pram and let's go shopping, let's go for lunch. And we had, we had none of that. It was just, I need to recover. I need to get used to my baby. We need to bond as a family. Um, and you're exhausted after birth. You know, you really do need that time to to recover, whether it's been whether you've got the scars of a C-section or a natural birth, mm. you still need to, you know, to, to rest in that time. And what about breastfeeding? Were you able to breastfeed? Very, very lucky. We're still breastfeeding. Yeah. Um, we had a few problems in the beginning. So we have some, um, some of the breastfeeding ladies who do kind of like the support around where we are in Lancashire. They came out to visit me a couple of times. Um, and then I had a clogged duct for those people who, um, know what that feels like it is does not feel very nice so we had a few complications with stuff like that but generally now he's great in fact I don't actually think I'm ever going to get him off <laughs> <laughs> and how old is he now uh, he's, he's seven months today yeah you know what seven birthday <laughs> yeah every we, we sing happy birthday every month my sister's like no seriously like it's not his birthday <laughs> <laughs> and how long are you planning to breastfeed for so I'll want to do till at least his first birthday. Um, but I do generally just think, I don't know, actually. I may just end up feeling like I'll just go on and on and on and on and on. I really just don't know. And how would you say that your your either body or your mindset to health or just life in general has changed since becoming a mother? Um, I think... Actually, I was thinking about this before. Actually, it's funny that you should ask that. I think I'm a lot easier on myself. I used to beat myself up about the smallest things before. Um, I used to be, well, I am. I'm a personality who's a perfectionist, very, very driven. Um, and actually, I've just had to learn that not everything is going to be perfect. And and just like the birth, I'd planned the birth down to the minute and it didn't work, you know, and it doesn't matter. Sometimes life happens and, and that's okay. Um, and through pregnancy and through having a newborn baby, my diet has not been perfect, but that's okay. You know, it doesn't, it's a season and yeah, I'll get back on it. And no, it's not been fast food, but it's just not been as great as where I'd like it to be you know and and same with kind of like lifestyle and obviously sleep is not perfect when you have a newborn so I think I've just learned not to kind of try and be perfect and try and control everything and I think that's probably what I've taken away from having a baby so far anyway how have your hormones kind of regulated again were you dealing with any of the hair loss or um, any other hormonal symptoms that maybe have occurred after having Noah? Oh, I've got like, I had a lot of hair loss. And then now I've got these little baby hairs. Like it's all starting to grow back. It's really, really funny. And also, but one of the best things about pregnancy, I think, is my skin was brilliant. 
my skin was great and it's still quite good now on breastfeeding so I'm a bit nervous about stop breastfeeding then all your hormones will kind of like re-shift again um but yeah skin was amazing hair was glossy until it started falling out um and you definitely don't miss the monthly cycles yeah not looking forward to that coming back (laughs) (laughs) and maybe the first few cycles maybe you won't be yeah and it may be a little bit rough um just as your body gets back into the swing of things but if your your nutrition's fine and you're healthy in general then that's going to reflect in your cycle so um i don't for you that it's going to be too much of an, is- an issue yeah fingers crossed um, fingers crossed anyway your, um postpartum recovery advice so i know that you've mentioned the sleep as much as you can get community involved and get that support network is there anything else that you any hacks that you kind of currently do to um, make life a little bit easier for yourself? I think so. I say to clients and I say to my friends, we did not have anyone come over to our house in the first two weeks. So the only people that we allowed in our house was parents and siblings. And aside from that, everyone else could wait. (laughs) I think just to, you know, to recover, to have that bonding time, to really rest, um, that was really, really key for us. Um, and yeah, community is a big one. If you can get people bringing you food, um, like our church brought us food for at least a week so we didn't have to cook anything and we just rested. Um, they made us cakes. It was brilliant. If you can, um, you know, people say, oh, what can I buy the baby? Well, the baby's got 50 gazillion baby grows, but can you please bring me some tea? I would really appreciate that. <laughs> you know, uh, I just took a meal over across the road. She just had a baby and I just took a spaghetti bolognese around the other week. Um, that's just a lot more helpful. And When you're breastfeeding, when you've had a baby, you need to really nurture yourself. You really just need to also make sure you're eating enough, especially if you're breastfeeding. And takeaways can only take you so far. You know, so really to have some good meals and... Uh, we had a lot of, um, we'd batch cooked a lot of food. So we had a lot of food in the freezer that we'd just defrost. Um, I think definitely sleep when the baby sleeps. I, I still do that now. I won't schedule any work for the afternoon because he sleeps for two hours in the afternoon. And I'm still, and he's seven months, but I still have a rest. Um, yeah, because I think, who are we in competition with? Like, we're not in competition with anybody. If I need to have a rest, you know, because I'm a, I'm a working mum, then I'll have a rest. <laughs> And how have you been? How have you been feeling about getting back into work again? Are you excited to get back into it, or is it a bit of a kind of um, negative thing that you just want to be kind of still with your baby every single moment of the day? Or how do you feel about that whole kind of shift back into um, the work work life? Yeah, it's definitely been a gentle. I've definitely not gone kind of full. Definitely not back full time, but it's been a very gentle curve back into work and actually with my job I am so lucky my office um is attached to my parents house Uh, so my mom has the baby and I will see a client and I'll go back in for a cuddle with the baby and I'll go back out and I'll do some Skype or do some emails and I've got I've just got like a perfect job for having a baby it's just brilliant so a lot of the time I'll work from home um so I, I am very very blessed with my job very blessed so it's actually it's not that bad so lucky. it's like the dream very lucky <laughs> honestly it is the dream but i i visualize that when i when i went to college that was that was what i wanted for my family i didn't want to be too far away maybe i'm a little bit needy maybe <laughs> that's my future goal so 
kind of um, manifest yeah. my life. <laughs> yeah, manifest that. Get the office, you know, get your parents on board so they can look after the baby. Definitely. <laughs> and I saw that your, um, was it a couple of days ago on Instagram, you posted kind of your um, goals that you wrote like years ago and they've kind of all come true. I thought that was Yes. Cool. Oh yeah, my friend is a life coach. Um, she's called Trisha Barker. She works a lot with imposter syndrome, uh, like how we never really feel good enough, and we always feel like who's going to catch us out? You know, we're not good enough at our job. We're not good enough friends. Someone's going to catch us out anyway. And I went to a vision workshop with her, and I visualized. This was 2016. I visualized my life of what I wanted, and yeah, this is it. Really, yeah. I own my own home. My husband's brilliant. I've got a very healthy baby. I've got a job I love. I'm very, very blessed. What are you writing down as your goals this year to kind of manifest into your life? I just was doing this last week. This is so funny you asked me this. I was just having this conversation with my husband the other week. Um, mind reader. You must be a mind reader. Um, I don't think we've decided though. <laughs> you need to ask me next week. I don't think, I think we're very kind of big in this house on having a vision for our family. And I think the vision for our family is still very much, um, even just little things like I will cook every night and we will sit down as a family and eat. My husband and I eat together every single night and we communicate and we talk about our day. Um, I think just really kind of, looking after each other looking after Noah maybe just going on a couple family holidays um trying to really enjoy you know the early years with him um I don't know I need to go back and look at my five-year vision plan again yes and yeah definitely write them down because I think that helps with the whole process doesn't it to definitely pen to paper for sure love it and so I want to kind of wrap things up now by asking you a, a few personal questions about maybe some of your preferences and your favorite products so the first one would be what is one supplement nutrient or herb that you just cannot live without i'd probably say magnesium really yeah i'd probably say magnesium because of like stress as well so whether i'm taking magnesium or i'm jumping in a magnesium epsom salt bath i would probably have to say magnesium yeah um everyone's just so deficient aren't they we're just oh definitely yeah yeah and it's like the one thing that we can kind of recommend to everyone safely <laughs> yeah is my definitely get some magnesium you get like the sprays as well have you used those the sprays yeah. spray on your skin yeah i love them yeah it's really good legs before bed yeah heavenly yeah definitely <laughs> really good magnesium for sure okay so what's one thing that you're into lately this could be health related nutrition related or just something completely random I feel like I'd have to say yoga really? because I love yoga. I've done it at home by myself, like on YouTube and stuff. Um, but we've just got this studio in our town and it is brilliant. And so I'm going to classes and just to have an hour by myself, self-care, just me and the mat. Depend, I might have a really good, I might, you know, I may be able to do a lot of the poses. I may actually just sit there in child's pose for a lot of the time. It doesn't matter. I just do, we do some meditation as well. And I have to say, I'm loving it at the moment. And were you into yoga before? I've been to a couple of classes, yeah. And if I'd go on a retreat, then I'd be the weirdo who was there twice a day, every single day, because I absolutely loved it. But I just think, you know, unless you have somewhere local that you can go to, and I'm not a fan of like the yoga at gyms necessarily, because I feel like that can be a bit like, um, you like you're in competition with each other on the mat yeah. 
but when it's a yoga studio I think it's a very different vibe I agree and at my gym as well we have kind of the yoga studio and then we have the weight section in the next kind of room (laughs) on one side you've got like the the um, squat rack and people smashing <laughs> plates and things and then in the room opposite to that there's kind of an aerobics class with like techno music going on so it's not, oh, not the same. it's not the same it's not the same is it no. so anyone no. if you're wanting to get into yoga go to a, a specialized yoga studio if possible definitely yeah definitely but i think any kind is beneficial yeah definitely even if you even if you're at home doing it with youtube then even so it's still great yeah and what's one piece of advice that you want everyone to take away from this this um kind of conversation so it could be in relation to dealing with chronic illness or pregnancy or postpartum what's one piece of advice that you want people to take away i really feel like i sound like a stuck record but it's got to be self-care Mm-hmm. like whether it's chronic fatigue and you're beating yourself up because you can't hang out with your friends as much as you used to or you're not able you're really struggling with work just give yourself a break seriously and then whether it's you're pregnant or whether it's your you've had the baby it's just got to be self-care like we've got to look after ourselves a lot more and i think if we look after ourselves actually everything else feels a little bit easier and because we're, our capacity is just you know we're able to deal with a little bit more so it's definitely got to be self-care whatever that is for you and you can't pour from an empty cup so absolutely and you know i've said it before and i'll say it again if you haven't got your health you've got nothing yeah and sometimes it takes losing your health completely to really appreciate that and i know that we were talking about this before we started recording that we kind of both experience health issues at an early age but we can kind of spin that in a positive light in the fact that we now know how to take care of our bodies for the rest of our lives yeah and i can now get to a point even it was awful like my teenage years were really really rubbish but i can hand on heart say i am thankful for that do you feel like you could say like do you you feel like you're there yeah definitely yeah definitely and i think it put it definitely throws you onto a different path um and i and sometimes yeah health health will go in the wrong direction but it will always you'll always learn something yeah and I think for me personally as well before I had these health issues I wasn't sure kind of what what I wanted to do with my life Um, yes yeah in like a occurring kind of role maybe like a nurse but I couldn't deal with like the the sick and the uh, (laughs) and things like that so um, and the blood so I kind of got put off that and then I wasn't even aware that this was a career and it wasn't until I saw um, a nutritional therapist, I actually went to see D. Um, oh, yeah, I love D. So um, that's kind of, I was like, oh, my God, this woman, like, knows um, how to, like, manage symptoms and improve people's health through diet. Like, I'd never heard of anything like that before. And then after mm. getting such good results and then um, studying at um, CNM where we both went to um, yeah you just kind of learn how to take care of yourself and I think a lot of people when they lose their health and maybe later on in life and sometimes unfortunately it can be a bit too late um, not in all cases but people who kind of um, don't take care of themselves for the whole adulthood and then develop like serious illnesses in the in the later years but I think yeah. with us we kind of been through that early on in life and kind of overcome those things and now we kind of 
can hopefully prevent some future diseases develop because a lot of them are lifestyle related and environmental related. Yeah, 100%. And that's why I'm just really grateful, actually, for everything that's happened. And it does it. I was the same. I didn't have a clue what career I wanted. But this kind of, have you know, being poorly, you know, it really sets you on a different path and was like, oh, yeah, I could do that. And now I have a great work-life balance. I get to cuddle my baby all day long. <laughs> I think that's both, like, so passionate as well, um, just because we yeah, and um, definitely yours was, like, really severe and um, it's probably not on the same scale as um it's probably off the scale as compared to what i went through but um, no because I, I no i completely disagree because i think it's all relative isn't it like at the end of the day people suffer as to whatever levels you want to say it's still you know you really went through a hard time yeah. um i don't think it's a severity issue really i think you know when you've been through stuff like we have um it does it changes you yeah and we've both come out the other side of it and hopefully like inspiring maybe someone who's listening or someone who follows our work and that's what keeps like us both motivated isn't it yeah definitely and you know at the end of the day like being a nutritional therapist we are changing people's lives you know when you get those emails saying i've never felt like this or um, you know even my relationships are better because my health is better or i've took the plunge and i've quit my job or whatever it is like you know you're changing people's lives it's the best feeling ever that's worth satisf- that's worth sat- work satisfaction, is it not? Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. Last question is how can people get in touch with you? So if they're kind of wanting to learn more about you and follow you on social media, kind of I'm gonna attach everything into the show notes, but just give us an overview of where we can find you online. Yeah, so my business is called Hello Healing. So uh, my website is hellohealing.co.uk or on my like Instagram and Facebook again is hello healing. And then all my details are kind of around, around social media and stuff like that. You can pretty easily find me and get in contact with me. Amazing. Yeah. I'm sure people are going to be heading straight over and wanting to learn more about you and your story. And Brilliant. I definitely want to have you back on in the future. Like I mentioned before, um, maybe discussing some more complex topics. Um, Cause I know that you're so smart and, just know a lot. I don't know about that. <laughs> as, as baby brain kind of um, <laughs> to come back online a little bit. Oh no, baby brain happens all the time, all the time. I say to my fre- pregnant friend, she's like, I was kind of hoping that would finish when the baby's born. I was like, no, doesn't finish. No. Carries on. You know you. Um, yeah. <laughs> we can talk a lot into a lot more detail about some of the um, like chronic illness, maybe like gut health, immune health, but. Um, we'll get that planned like over the next couple of months but I've loved this episode and catching up with you again and I want to thank you so much and I hope you have an amazing rest of your day oh thank you so much thanks so much for having me it's been great to talk to you and yeah hopefully we've just you know given some value to, to your listeners fingers crossed thank you for listening to another episode of the Hormones in Harmony podcast If you like this episode, please leave me a rating and review as this helps to spread the word to other women dealing with hormone imbalances. As a massive thank you gift, I'll send you a free guide, Six Steps to Hormonal Harmony. All you need to do is screenshot your rating and review, then email it to me at hormonesinharmony at gmail.com and I'll send you the link to download this free guide. If you haven't already, check out my website vivanaturalhealth.co.uk and Instagram page at Viva Natural Health for tons more free content and inspiration.
You can also schedule a free 30 minute hormone troubleshooting call to find out the next steps to take in order to overcome your symptoms naturally. See you back here next week for another episode.